0: Welcome to Thrive Life Trip Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Um. So do me a favor. Stand to your feet one more time. Come on. Stand to your feet. I know. I know. It feels like Catholic Church. It's not. <laughs> yeah. You'll you'll sit down in a minute, and we're gonna stand for the reading of the word. We're gonna jump into this message. Uh, We're gonna continue our series, Beautiful Resistance, and uh, last week, we read a lot of Bible, if you were here last week for Mother's Day, and today, we're gonna read a lot of Bible, okay? I know some of you didn't read yesterday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. There's no groups right now, so probably Tuesday. So it's okay, I got you. I'm gonna give you Bible for the whole week. You're good, okay, you're good. And you, you guys still need to read, but I need to read too. But we're gonna read chapter 40. So we're gonna go into chapter 40. And I am um, so excited. My, my heart is really stirring to preach this message. Even um, this morning as I was sharing at first service, I really felt like God is really speaking in this. And so we're gonna read the book of Genesis chapter 40. We are gonna talk about today when Joseph is in prison. We're gonna preach and talk about when Joseph is in prison. So I wanna give you the whole context so you understand the narrative and where we're going. So Genesis chapter 40, verses one to 23 says this. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against the Lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in the custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined Verse 4 the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them And he attended them and they continued for some time in custody and one night They both dreamed the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in The prison each his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled so he asked the Pharaoh's officers who were with him in his custody in his master's house why are your faces so downcast today they said to him we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them and joseph said to them do not interpretations belong to god please tell them to me so the chief cupbearer told his dream to joseph and said in the dream, in my dream, there was a vine before me, verse 10, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and clusters ripened into grapes, verse 11. Pharaoh's cups was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. Three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore to you your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Verse 14. Only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so, so get me out of this house. Verse 15. I was indeed, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I had a dream, and there was three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket of my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. Three days, sorry, the three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. And on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the cupbearer and the, and, the, and the chief baker among his servants. He restored, come on, the chief cupbearer to his position. He placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this house. Thank you, God, for the kids that got dedicated this morning, the parents that trust you, the families that get restored, the lives that you touch. So God, I pray that this morning you would speak and you would move. I pray that I would decrease and you would increase. Our hearts and our minds would be open to what you have to say to us this morning. We love you, we thank you. And in Jesus' name, the Thrive family said, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. So we're gonna talk today about Joseph being in prison. And listen, it's just not going well for Joseph. We're in week four now, right? We talked about Joseph having his dream and then Joseph getting sold into slavery and then Joseph now slave in the palace, doing all the right things. And then now Joseph gets sent to prison. And I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where everything was bad and it got worse. You know what I'm talking about? And the story of Joseph, man, like this is a novella in, 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 in the Bible. That You don't get more novella than Joseph's story. Joseph is doing everything right, and everything is going wrong. What scholars say is by this time now, Joseph has spent 12 to 13 years in slavery and in prison. Right, sometimes we read the Bible and we think like, oh, that happened like tomorrow, and then that happened the next day. No, sometimes there's years that are in between. And so the Bible says that Joseph is now in prison, and and God is so on Joseph. The Bible literally says that Joseph, just giving you the highlights real quick. Joseph has so much favor on this dude's life. You ever meet someone that just has incredible favor on their life? Like you're just like, dude, what, what is going on? Why, why, why does God love you so much? The Bible says that Joseph is put in charge of the prison that he's in. I don't think you understand. Joseph is given the keys to the prison, but he's in prison. This is how next level Joseph is. The Bible says that Joseph though is in prison and he's not allowed to get out and he's unjustly there. And he even shares his heart a little bit with the cupbearer and the baker. When he's asking them to remember him, he's saying, listen, I was stolen from my people and now I've been put in prison in this pit and I did not deserve it. In the cry of Joseph's heart, he understands that he's not where he's supposed to be. And for some reason, God has him in this position where even though he's not supposed to be there, he's supposed to be there. And, 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 and I, if there is any part of the story, we've been talking about it the last few weeks, if there's any part of the story that I can relate to, it's Joseph in prison. Because what happens when on the inside, you love God, and your heart's for God, and you're devoted for Jesus. But on the outside, it feels like a prison. And I believe that we are living in a time in a reality where some people in this room, it feels like a prison season. Come on. Come on. And what I want to tell you today, because, because I think the normal, typical, like, Joseph in the prison season message... It's like, God, has got you in the prison, but in two weeks, he's gonna get you out. And everyone's like, "Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where the real offering gets real big when, Jesus, when like, preachers tell you you're gonna get out of the prison season. I came to tell you, you might not get out of the prison season. Because the reason why God might have you in a prison season is not because he hates you, but because he's trying to get the prison out of you. And so sometimes God's got to put the prison around you so that way the prison of your heart can get freed and delivered. And what I, what I, what I want to help someone today is this, is, is when, when, when you're in the prison, when you're stuck and you're trapped and you're isolated, you feel like you're not at the job you want to be at. You feel like you're not in the environment you're not going to be at. Have you ever wondered why when God decided to do what he did to put you in the places and the people and the things he puts you around, like, have you ever been driving to work and you're like, Jesus, help me. Those heathens, right? You, you, I, need, I need the Father, I need the Son, I need the Holy Spirit, I need water, I need wine, I need wind, I need, I need all of it. I need all of it. Peter, James, John, Moses, Matthew, Luke, I'll take Judas even, I need all of it. You ever been in a season like that? On your way to Thanksgiving, you ever been in a season like that? On your way to the family party, on your way to hang out with the in-laws, come on. I love my in-laws, by the way. I'm not talking about my in-laws, I'm just saying. It feels like your heart's burning for God, but but the outside doesn't look like the expression of what God's doing on the inside. And what I came to tell you today is that it's okay. The prison has purpose and God is building something in you. And what I've learned about this than anything in this passage is that Joseph begins to live a life that we can model and see because he remains faithful. He remains in Jesus no matter what. And if there's anything to learn, it's this. And we can throw that up on the screen. It's to remain no matter what. Guys, we have lived in a culture and a society today that has told us, that has allowed us to be so tossed to and fro. This is a plague in the internal hearts and minds of people in our society that we let our feelings determine our value. We let a good decision, we, we let a good idea, like the shiny thing kind of take us here and then take us there. We have devalued consistency. And, and listen, I understand, because I, I struggled with this. I, I am naturally, and I didn't really share this first service, but, but I am naturally like an epic person so, like, for example, when we talk about love languages and like the five gifts and what kind of love language do you have? I don't know if you've heard that. It's a really good thing, actually, if you're a married couple. And 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 there's certain things, like some people like touch, some people like like gifts, some people like words of encouragement. What I tell my wife is I like all of it. I want it all. But I want it big. Like if you're gonna buy me a big, you're to buy me a gift, you better go hard, homegirl. Like you better go for it, like, like right? Like I don't want a two second hug, I want like a minute hug. Like I want, I want big, I, it's my natural personality. And, and, and I think I, this is a struggle with, with our, our culture and our generation. We have learned to fall in love with the big moments, but what I have found is that God lives in the normal. And, and I heard this first service and I didn't get to say it, but I feel like I need to say this for someone's second service. Can I tell you that the normal is the new radical? The normal is the new radical, why? Because we live in a society that's so caught up in the big moment, that's so caught up in the, in the mountaintop. But what I have found is that Jesus is just as close in the valley and the everyday. And if I can learn to follow Jesus, not when Moses, for example, is on the mountain, but if I can follow Jesus in the everyday, that's the new radical. You wanna talk about radical? Like love your kids and love your wife till you die. radical you want to talk about radical i I don't want to talk about how many people like i love it i love miracles i love signs and wonders i love healing i i've seen blind eyes open and deaf ears open and the miraculous but you want want to talk about radical like choose one person to love once a day for the rest of your life and see what god does with your life you want to talk about right you want to talk about radical read your bible every morning We, got, we, got, we, we have been so caught up with this idea that consistency doesn't matter. And that the everyday, the normal stuff, the little stuff is what Jesus actually would define as radical and we see that in the life of joseph we see this tenacity and this hunger and this conviction to remain in him no matter what and how do i know because you can maybe ask like well pastor chris how, how do you know that joseph like didn't sin and didn't mess up in prison because the bible says that joseph interprets the dreams of the people in prison and the only way joseph can interpret the dreams of the people in prison is if god gives them the interpretation i want you to really catch this because you might be in a prison season and God's saying, guess what, it's not about you. Because there's someone else in prison with you that God's gonna use this prison season so you can help them get free. And the only way you're gonna help someone get free from their prison is by understanding the God that you serve in prison. And understanding that the only reason why Joseph was able to be faithful and steadfast is because God was faithful and steadfast God never left him God was always with him God was never gonna forsake him and abandon him and so Joseph then is reciprocating the same thing that God is giving Joseph did you know that you can only love God to the capacity that you allow God to love you You can only love your wife to the capacity that God called you to love your wife or your spouse. You can only love your family to the capacity that God loves you. It is this understanding, guys, we need to get this. We need to understand this, that I need to learn who Jesus is, I need to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I need to trust him with everything in me because it is then and only then that then I can reciprocate that to people and everyone else in the world. (laughs) Joseph is steadfast, convicted, resilient, because he serves a God that's steadfast, convicted, and resilient. Joseph is able to love on these people who are in prison because they have dreams. Because God gave Joseph a gift and God is near to Joseph. See, what Joseph said, the Bible says, doesn't the interpretation belong to God? So the only way Joseph's going to get the interpretation of the dream is if he's talking to God about the dream. Joseph is so in love with God. This, 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 my friends, is what beautiful resistance looks like. Can I be so in love with God when I'm in prison? Can I be so in love with God? Can, can I be so close to the heart of Jesus even when my external reality does not look like what's happening in here? And so, Joseph, if there's anything... To, to to really catch in this conversation, I want I want us to catch this. I want us to understand that you and I are called to remain. Let me let me just be really vulnerable, real quick. Uh, let me you can take that off real fast. Let me let me I'm gonna get to that in a minute, but let me just be vulnerable, really quick. So so people will ask me, um, and and I think people think pastoring is a really hard job, and, and I'm not gonna tell you it's not. But also, kind of every job is a hard job. Let's be honest. Like right? If you're really working, some people don't try. I get it. We'll pray for you, whatever. But every job is like really hard. But there are certain things that are are, are a little bit more difficult for pastoring than other things. And when people ask me, what's the hardest thing for a pastor? For me, at least, this is what I tell people. The first is um, that I need to love Jesus and not just do things for him. That's the hardest thing for me. Because I could get so caught up working for God that I forget to spend time with God. And works is not the same as devotion. That's the hardest thing for me because, because I, holy activity is not the same thing as a consecrated heart. So that's like my weekly struggle. That's why you will, you will see me in this sanctuary or in my office, probably four or five, six hours a week in the face of God, just, just spending time with God. Not because I want to be a better pastor, but because that's my main calling is to him. Okay. The second thing, which is really hard, probably just as hard, is when you cry, you pray, you believe, you champion, and you love on someone, and then a few years later, they turn their heart against Jesus. Paul describes it as they were once part of us, but now they are enemies of the cross in the book of Philippians. That's New Testament. He says they're enemies of Jesus. That, my friends, is I think why Pastors quit. If I could be really honest, is because they will they will invest their life into someone who didn't deserve it, and then most of the time when someone turns away from Jesus, they end up kind of biting back on the way out. There's a there's a saying with pastors that that sheep bite, and I didn't believe it until I met a sheep. When I was younger, my one of, one of our guys at our church, Josh, he like worked on like this farm in school, and he introduced me to sheep. And I never met a sheep in real life. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what Jesus compares us to? Like sheep are dumb. Sheep smell. They bite. I was like, that's us. That's what God says. It's a trip. It's a really hard thing. It's super heartbreaking when you invest in, and then they... They just turn away, and, and, and I'm okay that they, I don't need them to like me. I'm not talking about leaving Thrive. That's like another thing, whatever. Like, it's okay, God calls people in and out of places. I understand. I'm talking about how I saw them at the altar on a Sunday weeping before the Lord, and then three years later, they completely have turned away against Jesus. And I pray one day they come home, because we're a, we're a house that brings, we believe prodigals come home here. And they're, your, they're always welcome. They're always welcome, but, but that's heavy. That's heavy. And, and what we've done is, is we have fallen into the trap of inconsistency. We have fallen into the trap that nothing really matters. We have fallen into the trap that if nothing, I'm not going to make anything important because I don't want to put my heart into it. I don't want to be consistent in it. I don't want to stay steadfast. I don't want to stay faithful. And, and, and we live in a faithless generation. I'm telling you that right now. And you know that because you've experienced people who are inconsistent. I'm not talking about people that make a mistake. I'm talking about people that constantly have done you dirty. But if there's anyone, if there's anyone that could relate to that, it's Joseph. And so I want to give you just a few points on how I feel that in this passage kind of helps us on how to make sure we remain. And so number one, we're called to remain even when others do not trust us. The Bible says that Joseph gets sent to prison because Joseph loses the trust of the family that he was a slave under. And what happens is, is Joseph, because he loses his trust, no one believes him. Imagine, like you are a trustworthy, integrous person and out of nowhere because someone lied, Potiphar's wife, we talked about her last week. Now he is in a reality that he shouldn't be in because someone else did him dirty. I, can you not relate? Because I can. I can, I can shoot. Some of that's even family. Come on, let's be, let's. Sometimes family is the one that does you dirty sometimes. And, and, and what we've happened is we've lost trust. So Joseph is now experiencing a reality. And what we have to understand is when Joseph is in prison, he's not just in prison physically, but there's the prison of the mind as well. That there are prisons that we will, will, will get caught up in. And, and this one I call the prison of loneliness. Man, COVID was crazy. And thank God we're like pretty much out of it because it was tough. And you know what's a, what's a crazy thing I've noticed is that before, like 10 years ago, you didn't see anything with like mental health and, and, and trauma. And now like I drive on the five and there's billboards everywhere. And I think that's good. I, I think that's good. Cause come on, some of y'all need, we need it. Come on, let's be honest, we need, we need some help. We need jesus we need we need we need some mental health for sure there's not a stigma against it but but what i was reading as i was reading articles as i was preparing for this what they have found is there is a massive spike of anxiety that is rooted in the reality of loneliness in thousands of people today because COVID isolated so many and 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 there is a fear in people's hearts of loneliness And I know that because I had that when I was younger. I hated being lonely. The reason why I hated being by myself is because I hated myself. And so you don't wanna be with people you don't like. And if you don't like yourself, you don't wanna be with yourself. You don't wanna be with your thoughts. You don't wanna be with your mind. You don't wanna be by yourself. And so some people hate loneliness and then God needs to rescue them from this because you don't wanna be with you. And so check this out. I get saved, and I remember, I remember hearing this when I was a young person. I was 12 years old. I was in a small little Mexican church in L.A., and my pastor, he was older, he said, Chris, God just doesn't love you. He likes you as well. And I said, what? No way. This is why. I don't know if you know me. Some of you kind of know me. Some of you don't. But no one can out-talk me. I haven't shut up since I started talking. I can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. I can get off this, I'm gonna preach three times today, have a meeting for lunch, probably hang out with friends for dinner and just talk. You wanna know how I put my wife to sleep? I talk. And I'm not saying like I talk for a little bit. No, 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 I will talk for like 30 minutes and she will be out and I didn't realize she was out and I'm acting like I'm talking to her. I can talk. I felt lonely because I had no one to talk to when I was younger. I had no one to process with. I didn't no one really liked me. I moved around from place to place. And then when I found out God liked me, I was like, so I can talk to God all the time? (laughs) I don't struggle with loneliness because I'm not alone. Joseph was able to remain in Jesus, steadfast in God, because he understood that the prison of loneliness that the enemy would try to trap his mind was broken because God was with him. Gotta remain when people don't trust us. Number two, we gotta remain when others compare you. Most scholars believe that the reason why the cupbearer and the reason why the baker were in prison is because they tried. They were accused of making an attack on the king. They were trying to take the king's life. They were trying to manipulate the king and kill the king so they get sent into prison. Joseph is in prison with potential killers. Have you ever been in a place where you're around people that you have no idea why God has you around them? Have you ever been guilty by association? Come on, right? Okay, so so I, I know I gotta go, but Zadok. Okay, so Zadok, we have a situation. Zadok has experienced his first little kind of bully. But that's okay. The other day he grabbed his fingers and didn't let him go, and told him to stop, and he yelled at him. So we're good. Cause he's my son, and he go he not go he gone. I, I told him don't let that kid punk you, bro. And I mean I know like you're a pastor's kid, but like if you need to handle it, like. I'll hide my credential for like an hour, you know, like I'll, whatever. And so, so jo- so so Joseph, so Zadok, so Zadok's been doing this thing, Zadok's been doing this thing where, where he um, and baseball doesn't hang out with this certain amount of kids because every time he hangs out with these kids, the coach yells at them and then Zadok feels he's getting yelled at, okay? And I'm proud, but now Zadok's like on the bench, like by himself. And I'm okay with that because he's fine. He's fine. He's totally, like, if you know my son, like, he's fine. Like, he loves being by himself. He's like his dad. Like, I love being by myself now. And, and, and what, what is happening is he's understanding and realizing that people will compare you to people you're around. Yeah. And can I tell you, when I, when I was a youth pastor, the worst thing I did, we'd have amazing youth nights. I remember when I just started, we'd have amazing youth nights. I'd, I'd call Pastor Eric. I'd text him. I'd be like, Pastor Eric, we had like 40 kids at youth. You have to understand, that was like a big deal because we were like not as big as what we are now. It was like, we got 40 kids. I felt like revival was breaking out, y'all. I was like, we had 40 kids. The pastor's like, you got 40 kids, so dope. And then I would go on Instagram and look at everyone else's youth night. I felt horrible. My friend, we had 120 kids. We had 150 kids. We had like 3,000 kids. I don't know, whatever. And I'd be like, wow, we're the worst. Can I I be honest with you? I do not go on social media on Sundays. I just don't. I don't care. I don't care how many people got saved down the street. I don't. I don't. don't. And it's not because I don't love them. I don't care how many people got saved. I don't don't care how many kids were in kids church at your church. I don't care who your guest speaker was. Why? Because I started comparing myself to other people. And and you want to know what happens when, when comparison hits? Comparison will kill your soul faster than anything else and comparison will lead to insecurity. The next thing you know, you are living your life in insecurity and insecurity and insecurity. The prison of insecurity. You make every decision based on who you're not versus who God called you to be. Joseph destroys that prison and he remains in Jesus because he understands that God's got him. Number three, remain when others use your gift. I call it the prison of manipulation. This is the number one reason why I think people leave churches, because we've been, some of them have been spiritually abused. I wanna tell you right now, we're not perfect, but Thrive doesn't care about your gift as much as we care about you. I care way more for who you are than what you will ever do for us. And I mean that. I I do, I, I really do. And our team means that, we really do. The Bible says that Joseph, he uses gift, he interprets the dream. And then it's like, okay, whatever. And they just leave them. Have you ever felt used in your life? You ever felt like taken advantage of? Have you ever felt like the only reason why someone knows you or or, is connected with you is because they want something from you? Come on. Have you ever felt like the love of your life is transactional instead of real? Joseph understands this. And yet, even when they use Joseph, they use him to take care of the prison, they use him to interpret the dreams, they just use him, why? Because they know he's gifted, they just use him, they just use him. Joseph still remains faithful. He understands that because it's not about my gift and God, I don't have this gift unless I have you. And I'm not saying you should let people manipulate you and I'm not saying you should let people use you but what I'm telling you is there's what what is happening especially in the deconstruction movement there's this whole movement that's happening where people are deciding to take the Bible apart and choosing what they like instead of what the Bible actually says and most of it is rooted in spiritual and healthiness and abuse and what they do is they correlate their relationship with their church or their other leader and they connect it to God and what they've decided is God can't be who he says he is because this person who wasn't who they were supposed to be and 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 what I want to explain is that's true that that person might have did you wrong and that might have person lied to you and that might person might have hurt you might have been a family member might have been a friend might have been a pastor might have been a church leader but it doesn't matter that doesn't determine your relationship with Jesus We are not going to live a life as people who are disciples determined on the actions of others. We are disciples because a man named Jesus came down, fasted heaven, lived on earth for 33 years, died on a cross, rose again, went up to heaven, and is one day coming back. We follow because we have nothing else to do on a Sunday. We follow this man because he gave everything for us and my only response is to give everything back to him. And so it doesn't matter about my gift. It doesn't matter about my calling. It doesn't matter of what people have done or haven't done to me. It doesn't matter how people have done you wrong or dirty because Jesus never will. Jesus never will. I got one more. Are you guys good? <laughs> Ooh. I know, girl. I know. I feel the same way in my heart. It's stirring right. Now. I feel something. Jesus. Help us, God. God, I, I I I pray right. I pray right now for my friends in this room. I pray you would begin to to break the prison mentality in Jesus' name. I pray you would begin to root in us steadfastness, God. Thank you, Jesus. Number four is to remain faithful, to remain in him when others forget about you. And I really felt this first service and I feel like God really wants to hit this. This service is the prison of abandonment. And, and, And actually, can I tell you that it's kind of like a cycle. When you get abandoned, you get insecure. When you get insecure, you you get manipulated. And when you get manipulated, you isolate yourself and you become lonely and you do it all over again. You do it all over again. We We will cycle ourselves in prison cells that God never called us to be in. Some of us know what this is like. The Bible says that Joseph interpreted the dream and they forgot about him. It literally says they forgot about him. What do you do when everyone for when you feel like everyone forgot about you? You still love Jesus. Because he didn't abandon you. And he never will abandon you. And and Give me, give me one second, give me one second. I, I, get the, I got this image for a service and I feel like it's for someone. I, I, I got this image and I've got it before when I've prayed for people of, uh, and, and because I think I've lived this of a, of a little boy or a little girl at the window waiting for dad to come home. And for years, you've been waiting for dad to come home. And for years, you've been waiting Dad, for, for dad to come home and you're just waiting at the window day in, day out. I see like seasons, like it's spring and it's summer, kind of like a movie, spring and summer and fall and like the leaves are falling and then there's snow and then it's sunny and weekend and week out, you're waiting for dad to come home. And, and, and what I get, what I see in this picture is, is this brokenness of, 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 of abandonment. And I wanna tell you that God sees that you went through that. And maybe you didn't do it physically, but your heart, you had this longing for either mom or dad or, or someone to come back. Maybe a spouse abandoned you. Maybe a dad abandoned you. Maybe your mom abandoned you. Maybe your close friend abandoned you. And, 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 and you have lived your life trapped in this abandonment for years. And, and what, I, what i seen in the picture was, was then Jesus, instead of coming through the front door, the little kid turns around and he realized Jesus was in the house the whole time. And I wanna tell you that you do not have to live in the prison of abandonment any longer because Jesus has never abandoned you and Jesus never will. And that's what Joseph was able to understand. That even when everyone leaves me, God, you're not gonna leave me. Even when it feels like no one's around me, God, you're always gonna be with me. Even when it feels like I look to my right and I look to my left and no one's around to help me, Jesus, I know where my help comes from. Come on. I know that I can trust you. I know that I can put my heart completely in you. That, my friends, is what the world is looking for. The world is not looking for a cool church. The world is not looking for a stage and a show and a light. The world is looking for a people that would choose Jesus because there's something different about a person whose heart is completely after God. And that God today, I feel this in my heart, would break the prison of abandonment in your life. That you would stop your lack of trust with God because someone hurt you. That you would stop your lack of trust in others because someone left you. That you would stop cycling through the prison cells because see, Joseph was in prison physically. So that way his heart could be freed internally because God wanted to get the prison out of Joseph. God wanted to show him and reveal to him and bring it out of him because there's something else coming, come on. There's something else coming. There's something else coming. And I wanna give you the something else, but I gotta make sure you can handle it. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. Come on, everybody in the room, stand to your feet. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.